Well, please turn with me this evening to Exodus chapter 7. Exodus chapter 20, and we're reading uh, verses 1 to 7, and we're concentrating on verse 7 this evening. Uh, But we'll read uh, the commandments that lead up to it as well. Exodus chapter 20, and you'll find this on page 61 in the church Bibles. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them or serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers on the children to the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Maybe at some point uh, a family member or someone pulled you aside and reminded you that that you carry not only yourself uh, in the way that you act, uh, but that you carry uh, the name of your family, uh, that you, what you do uh, will have bearing on how people look at the family as well. And so we can say that our name, uh, we carry the family name in all that we do. Well, this evening uh, we're thinking about names, but we're thinking about the name of God and the proper use of God's name. If you were thinking about 10 commandments that would be given to how we should live and how we should flourish, it might be surprising uh, how many people would pick this as one of the top 10 commandments uh, to be given. But uh, this evening, we want to look at this commandment and to see uh, how it is impressing upon us the right use of God's name. And because God has revealed his name, we are to handle it rightly. We want to think about uh, this third commandment Uh, in two thoughts. We want to think about God's name being lifted up deceitfully, and then we want to think about God's name being lifted up truthfully. Uh, Or we could look at it another way. We could say the misuse of God's name and the proper use of God's name. The third commandment is, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. If we wanted to put that in our own words, or we could translate that another way, we could say, you shall not lift up the name of God. The ordinary word there for take is a name that is the idea of lifting up something, uh, that it would be uh, given prominence. Uh, And so the people of God are warned here about not lifting up God's name in vain or with deceitfulness or with falsehood, uh, that they wouldn't be false in the way that they use God's name. And perhaps when we think about this commandment, our minds uh, gravitate towards uh, the use of uh, profanity or uh, the use of uh, cursing God's name, um, the foul-mouthed language uh, that can be used. And that, that would be included in this commandment, but that this commandment actually extends far beyond uh, that idea of cursing God uh, with our speech. 
as one person has said, to take or to lift up God's name uh, is not used on its own to refer to speech. And the name is more than simply the sounds of the Lord or the sound of God or the sound of Yahweh or Jehovah. That there's more that's going on in this commandment than just the sounds of God's name. And there's more that, than that's what's going on than simply cursing. What's going on here is what we are doing with what we know about God. Because a name refers to all that one understands about the individual. Uh, here, the name of God refers to all that we know or all that God has revealed of himself. It includes his character, his power, his love, his justice. The name stands for all that is known of someone. And maybe you can appreciate that uh, if, uh, if you've ever been on the receiving end of gossip. Uh, when people speak about one another, uh, they use someone's name. And they, they cast a dark shadow over the individual because they start to distort something they said. They start to misrepresent their actions. They make people look at them or to think about them in a different light. And so the effect of that gossip is, is that they still have the same name. They're still Johnny or they're still Sue. And yet now whenever someone mentions the name of Johnny or someone mentions the name of Sue, our understanding of them has been tainted. People begin to think about them differently because they have a distorted understanding of what they did or what they said. Their character has been smeared, even though their name remains the same. And so when this commandment is given, it is, it is given not because God is a control freak, uh, as Richard Dawkins would say. Uh, this commandment is not, is not because God is obsessed with control of how people speak, but rather it is because distortion is always a precursor to misery as one person has said when we distort the truth when we distort reality it it is a, it is leading to suffering it is going to lead to misery because we don't understand the situation and if we don't have a right understanding of god and what he's revealed about himself it's going to lead us in dead ends it's going to lead us astray and so just as we uh, aren't, we're not indifferent when someone slanders our character, when someone smears our name, so God here is showing that he is serious about guarding his reputation. And so this third commandment is really like the first two. They're all highlighting God's seriousness about his glory and how he is taking steps to guard uh, the glory that is due to him. So this commandment uh, is given because God is uh, ultimately protecting his people from distortion. He is concerned that people would not have a misrepresentation of, uh, of his own glory and his own character. So how is this uh, commandment violated? Um, how is it that people can misuse the name of God? We've already mentioned that uh, perhaps when we think about taking God's name in vain, the most natural way of thinking is to think of when people slander God, when people curse God. We read of examples of that in the Old Covenant, when people would blaspheme the name of God. They would curse God. 
The idea is that they were, they were striking at God's character. They, they were violently hostile towards God, and they gave expression to that. Uh, but, uh, and that was something that we see happen. And, and even today, we see people take God's name upon their lips in an empty way, oftentimes a thoughtless way. But even when God's name is used in a thoughtless way to vent emotion, to give expression to uh, some frustration or some anger, even in our speech, we're communicating something. And our, our speech is either going to be meaningful or it's going to be empty. And to, to speak about God in a thoughtless or in an empty way, without thought, without care, expresses or reveals something of an emptiness about our, our own outlook on things. And so even the thoughtless use of God's name is still a serious thing. Uh, and so we can see that is one way in which God's name is taken in vain. But that's not the only way. Uh, God's name is taken in vain in other ways. Uh, perhaps uh, what is central to this commandment is the idea of using God's name for leverage. Uh, that what is being emphasized here is, is that people could use God's name in order to get what they want. Again, if you turn to the law of God in the book of Leviticus, it gives warnings that you're not to swear by God's name falsely. What that meant was is that someone could, someone could rob their neighbor of their livestock, or they could lie about finding something that belonged to their neighbor. And then they swear by God's name as a way of silencing any further interrogation. By calling God as a witness, by appealing to God's name, they remove any further questioning of their motives or what they did. They're using God's name ultimately as a means to get what they want, but they're distorting the reality of the situation. They've taken something and they're, they're hiding the truth from someone else, all in the name of God. Uh, so it says in Leviticus 19, you shall not steal, you shall not deal falsely, you shall not lie to one another, you shall not swear by my name falsely, and so profane the name of the Lord your God, for I am the Lord. So one of the ways in which people can profane God's name is when we misuse it, uh, when people use God's name in order to distort a situation. Well, if we're not stealing animals, if we're not lying to our neighbor in the name of God, is that it? Well, people can still distort God's name or make it empty or false when they appeal to God in order to advance what they really want in an agenda. False teachers will invoke God's name to advance their own purposes while at the same time misrepresenting God. Someone might invoke the name of Jesus. If Jesus were here, Jesus would want you to do X, Y, and Z. They're, they're pushing an agenda. They're trying to tell you what Jesus would want you to do. But if they're not being faithful to the revelation of God's will, if they're going against what scripture says, then they are bearing uh, a false representation, but they're taking God's name in vain. And so this is something that is true, not just uh, about <clears throat> how we speak of God's name, but are we using God's name to advance an agenda 
that is against God's revelation. False teachers uh, will claim to have God on their side. As Paul says, they claim to know God. That is, they speak about God. But by their actions, they deny him. So people uh, can advance their own interests all in the name of God. So people can uh, take the Lord's name in vain through cursing God. Uh, They can take the Lord's name in vain by manipulating and distorting God's will. God God would want you to do this. Uh, Jesus has given me peace about this matter. Um, We should just do this because I'm sure that's what Jesus would want. Well, we should be clear about what God's revelation says and not just invoke the name carelessly and thoughtlessly. But there's another way in which God's name can be taken in vain. The name of God is attacked when those who take up his name live in hypocrisy. The reason why this commandment is not just about sounds, it's not just about saying God's name in a thoughtless or in a hostile way, it's not just about uh, cursing, is because God's name is lifted up in ways that go beyond your speech. One of the things that God revealed to the people of Israel is, is that they were his people. He says they are my people whom I have called by my name. So the people of God bore the name of God. When, when the priests of Aaron pronounced a benediction on the people, it says that the Lord's name would be upon them. So as they carried themselves out, as they lived their lives, they carried, they represented the, the Lord that they served in everything they did. And so the way that they conducted themselves was meant to show forth the glory of God. This is why the Puritan Stephen Sharnock said, it is a sad thing, a sad thing to be a Christian at the supper table, to be a heathen in the shop, and to be a devil in the closet. When a person can live such a hypocritical life, where they say that they bear the name of God as a servant of God, but then they live in a way that is opposing that, that is diametrically alienated from that profession. They're not just doing something themselves. They are, they are smearing the God that they represent. So that's why Michael Horton says, if we are engaged in scandal, we necessarily include God in the charges that the world makes. Our motivation for everything, for excellence in uh, the world that we live in, in education, in work, in relationships, in home, it must be to the sanctity of God's reputation. That those who bear the name of God are to be living in such a way as to guard God's reputation in the way that they live their lives. And the thing is, is that the people of God carry on that 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 role just as the people of israel were my people who are called by my name so that same reality carries over into the church those who have been baptized if you've been baptized you've been baptized into the name of the father the son and the holy spirit that if the people of god gather together for corporate worship that at the end when there's a benediction 
meaning a good word, God's pronouncement of his favor on those who have been baptized, on those who are believing in the Lord Jesus as they are sent back out into the world. The whole idea is they are being sent out with a proclamation of God's favor in faith. That as they go forth, they go forth knowing who they are in Christ, knowing God's favor, but also knowing that they bear the name of God in all that they do. And so here, this this commandment is talking about, yes, what we do with our words, but it's talking about a consistency in our life. That those who honor the Lord with their lips should be honoring the Lord with their lives as well. That God should be honored in all that they do. And so this goes beyond uh, the the sounds of our our words. Uh, It is going to how we honor the Lord in all of life. Maybe we've uh, experienced something of the hypocrisy that can manifest itself in the church, where people can live like Christians at the, uh, at the church or at the supper table, and then like devils in the closet. But even if that's where we have witnessed or experienced in the church, we should also see something else in this commandment. Because this commandment is showing us that the objection or the challenge or the frustration even with hypocrisy is something that is confronted first and foremost in the Bible. That it's not first and foremost the secularist or the post-Christian that is attacking the hypocrisy that we see in the people of God. It's first and foremost something that is given to us in God's word. And that there's a built-in mechanism that God confronts us about hypocrisy, knowing that there can be hypocrisy manifested itself. And that God has sent his prophets to confront this hypocrisy uh, down through the ages. That God can work through by his spirit to root out that hypocrisy as well. So this third commandment is given because, God's, uh, pe- because people uh, can misuse the name of God. But we should not think that just because there are is examples of hypocrisy, that it undermines the integrity of God's word. God's word is given to those who have sinful hearts and who needed to be confronted with their sin. So what is the misuse of God's name? God's name is misused when God's name, what he's revealed about himself, becomes an object of an attack. God's name is misused when, when people not only attack God's name, but when they use God's name for their own ends, manipulating and distorting God's revelation against his own will. And God's name is misused when those who profess uh, allegiance to the glory of God live uh, a divided life. They are no longer uh, honoring the Lord uh, uh, either. So there's the misuse of God's name. But then secondly, we want to think about God's name being lifted up in truth. Again, why is this commandment so important? It is because only through a knowledge of the truth about the living God can one be saved. A distortion leads to error. A distortion leads people astray. And the failure to honor God leads people to have an objection to a false understanding of reality. 
And so here, as the prophet Hosea would say, a people without understanding shall come to ruin. That hypocrisy and manipulation by those who take up the name of God distorts the truth about God. You remember in Romans, as we were going through Romans, Paul quoted from the Old Testament, and he said it is, uh, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Because the people of God were living in a life that was not ultimately reflective of God's will. The nations were objecting to God, but to a distorted notion because God's people were not faithful. And so here, the importance of honoring God's revelation is so that the truth would be preserved, so that people would rightly know the God who does exist and not a a misrepresentation or an objection itself. So why is this commandment so important? Because we need to know God. But as we look at this law, this law is given because we fail here. That we see misrepresentations in the way that people live. We see people that fall short of honoring God in their lives. And ultimately, this commandment is pressing us to see one who ultimately does honor the name of God. One who reveals God's name in full. And in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son to do that. We read there from the high priestly prayer of Jesus. What did Jesus claim in that prayer? He said, I have manifested your name. I have glorified your name. How did Jesus do that? Jesus manifested the glory of God's name by showing us God's character, by fulfilling God's will. By redeeming sinners, by laying down his life according to the eternal decree of God, Jesus is showing us what God is ultimately like. And so if we're sitting here with that objection that we see hypocrisy in the church, I've met too many that have lived a hypocritical life. Primarily, our view of God needs to be shaped by our understanding of Jesus. Because Jesus is the only one who fully And perfectly can say, I have manifested your name. That Jesus is the one who ultimately lifts up God's name perfectly so that we might know God and ultimately that we might be reconciled with God. That we might be counted as righteous and that we might know uh, God's forgiveness. And so uh, all of this uh, is embedded in the ministry of Jesus. He comes to show us the glory of God. And so we are to think about God's revelation of himself. His name is wrapped up. It's, it's consummated in his son. What do I know about God? His character, his justice, his love, his faithfulness. All of these things are revealed perfectly to us in and through the Lord Jesus Christ. And ultimately, it is those who take up the name of Jesus who call on the name of the Lord Jesus, who will be saved, uh, as it says uh, in the scriptures. So God's name is lifted up perfectly by the Son of God. He shows us who God is. He guards the glory of God. He preserves a right understanding of God so that we might know him and that we might be reconciled with the living God. And uh, not only this, but this commandment, as we've been saying, the commandments become part of God's purpose and God's promise as well. 
Because not only does the Son of God show us and manifest the glory of God's name, but at the same time, God's word teaches us that the people of God will be those who bear forth and proclaim God's name to the nations, that the nations might know the forgiveness of sins and that they might call on the Lord Jesus themselves. And so just as the people of God were called by God's name, so those who call on the name of the Lord Jesus carry the name of God. Think about that. In God's providence, those who are followers of Jesus are known as Christians. They carry, they bear the name of Christ. And so ask yourself this evening, am I a Christian? What does it mean to be a Christian? It means one who has lived in response to God's revelation. One who has come to know what God has revealed about himself in Jesus. One who has come to realize that they are a sinner in need of salvation through Jesus. They are one who has come to see God's grace and mercy in Jesus. They are those who are trusting in the king to deliver them, to establish righteousness, to establish justice, because he is their prophet, their priest, and their king. They are those who identify with Jesus because Jesus has shown them themselves. He has shown them the glory of God the Father. And so a Christian is someone who is trusting in Jesus, someone who is responding to God's revelation, but someone who is, who is, who is concerned for God's glory because of Jesus. They treasure what God has shown them. And now they go forth in that light, identifying themselves with the God who has revealed, themselves, uh, revealed himself to them. And so uh, they call on the name of the Lord Jesus, knowing that there is no other name given under heaven by which men might be saved. They call on the name of Jesus. That's what makes a person a Christian. And so we see here God's name is lifted up. It's lifted up first and foremost by Christ. But it is also something that becomes true of God's people in a limited way. They are people who want to make much of God. They are people who lift up their banner in the name of Christ in a meaningful way. And so how do we keep this commandment? How do we go about expressing our thanks to God? How do we, how do we honor the Savior of sinners when we realize that we fall short? God's design is, is that his people who call on his name would be people who desire to guard his glory in the way that they live now. And so Christians will be marked by a reverence for God's name. Everything that God has shown them about himself will cause them to be, will cause them to have a certain gravity. And by that I don't mean falling balls to the ground, but a gravity in terms of a weightiness. That when they think and contemplate and talk about God, it's not lighthearted and superficial. It's not a careless thing. It's a serious thing for them. Because God is serious. Because God seriously engaged with his sinners to save them. And now they're seriously committed to God. They will honor God's name in their contemplation, their reverence, their fear of God. 
they will take God serious. They will honor God's name not only in the way that they contemplate God, but in the way that they conduct themselves. They will understand themselves in light of God's revelation. All those who come to the Lord Jesus, to the King of Kings, will belong as citizens in God's kingdom. All those who call on God through the Lord Jesus have God as their Heavenly Father, which means that they are children of God. And they will live as such. They will carry themselves with an air of dignity because they belong to their God and Savior. They will live for something more than simply the passing pleasures of this world. They will carry themselves as fitting princes and princesses of God's kingdom. It'll also mean that they will uh, have a concern in their confession as well. They will honor God's name by responding to the revelation of their own sins with humility. When they sin, they will turn to God. They will turn to God because they know he's merciful. He's revealed that to them. They will turn to God because they know he will forgive them. He has shown that to them in Jesus. They will be turning to the Lord quickly and rightly because they want to honor God. And there's nowhere else to turn. And so when they think about how they respond to all things, including their sins, it's in response to what God has shown about himself. That's what the Heidelberg Catechism was getting at when it says in this commandment that they will rightly confess God. That this commandment is about rightly confessing God. Meaning that we live in light of what God has revealed about himself. And so as we think about this commandment, it's framed in a negative form because of the restraint of sin. But it's ultimately meaning that those who belong to God will be concerned about God's glory. They will speak, they will act, but they will also live shaped by a knowledge of God's grace and they will be committed uh, to God's glory. That, they're, uh, that they will want uh, to honor God and his name and what he has revealed about himself. And this, this becomes all the more uh, exhilarating, really. Because this commandment is not just a bare, abstract command. As we said, these commands become promises of God's design. What God is wanting to do. What God purposes to do. You will not take my name in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless. God is serious about this. But the promises is that God will honor his name. He does that in and through the Lord Jesus. But he also causes his name to spread. That God will cause the knowledge of the Lord to spread, to extend across this earth. So that the knowledge of the Lord will cover the world as the waters cover the sea that God's name will endure forever as his people call on his name as they go forth proclaiming the forgiveness of sins in the name of the Lord Jesus God is at work and so as you think about this commandment it is it is reminding us that God is at work showing his glory showing us uh, his purposes. 
And so even when we pray the Lord's Prayer, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done. It is a life that has been transformed by God's revelation that says that. And it's the confidence that God is still at work that emboldens it. And so we shouldn't think about these commandments as all negative. It is showing us something of God's purposes. We can misrepresent God. We can live hypocritical lives. We can be people who uh, attack God's character. And yet God is revealing himself. And he's done that in Christ. And when a person sees what God has done in Jesus, he has manifested his name. It captivates a person. And God will cause his glory to spread abroad. Have you come to believe in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you called on him? As you go back into this week, are you carrying God's name? Is that a burden or is that a delight? God has revealed himself and we're to live in response to it. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do pray that as we think about your revelation, we pray, Lord, that it would cause us uh, to see uh, our, our own uh, shortcomings. But we thank you, Lord, that in Christ Jesus, there is a perfect revelation of the glory of God, God's uh, uh, greatness, uh, but also uh, the grace of God to save sinners. We thank you, Lord, that we see uh, your justice and your faithfulness and your mercy and your holiness and we pray lord that you would make us a people uh, who want to lift high uh, your glory that we would want to identify uh, with the lord jesus christ and that we would be people uh, who uh, do not bring shame and dishonor but people who live uh, thankful and grateful hearts so go before us we pray in jesus name amen